Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. I'm your host, Connor Bromley, and today I am joined by David McDonnell and Sam Ingersoll to talk about the Champions League last night, in particular Manchester United's defeat away in Switzerland and Chelsea's ground-out 1-0 victory against Zenit St. Petersburg. So, David, we'll start with you. A defeat for Manchester United last night, a defeat probably they weren't expecting. Uh, you, you certainly think they would go to a place like Young Boys and pick up a victory, and it was going very well until a red card. But how do you digest Manchester United's performance last night? Well, self-inflicted, I think, Sam. Uh, sorry, Connor, I think it's self-inflicted is... is the way you would describe it. I mean, they're in command. You know, Ronaldo's third goal in, in two games since his return um, set them on their way. Um, and from that point on, they're in control. I mean, young boys, pretty spirited side, energetic, you know, athletic, um, managed by David Wagner, obviously ex-Huddersfield. They'd come through three qualifying rounds to, to, to get to the group stage, um, even though they're Swiss champions. So they shouldn't have represented much of a threat to United. But uh, as you mentioned there, uh, the red card, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's, um, which actually stemmed from a, a dreadful first touch, which has been a bit of a theme with him, um, you know, since he joined United. Um, as good a defender and tackler he is, his, his first touch and his, and his ability to go forward and, you know, down that right side and, and, and cross the ball and, 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 you know, turn sort of defence into attack is, is, has been found wanting. Anyway, he was, yeah, it was a straight red. I mean, I know Solskjaer complained about it afterwards and said there was no malice in it, but he went over the top. And from then on, it was an uphill struggle for United. Um, Solskjaer's game management, the substitutions were very strange, bringing off uh, Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes uh, with effectively 20 minutes left and bringing on Lingard and Matic. Um, and then switching from a, a back four to a back three, having made that decision to bring off Sancho for Dallo, and then you you, you bring off uh, Van der Beek at half-time for Varane and go to a back three. There were just lots of muddled thinking from Solskjaer. Um, I mean, it's ironic that in the Europa League final defeat to Villarreal, he was lambasted for, for not making any substitutions and leaving them too late to effectively change the game. And here, with the five subs at his disposal, he almost felt he had to use them all. And, and, and it really ended up in a, in, a, in a desperate night for Manchester United. Um, you know, Lingard's woefully under-hit back pass, you know, let, let young boys in to score the winner. And... You know, whilst it's not a disaster for United, you know, a group that on paper looks so simple with young boys, you know, Villarreal and Atalanta, no real big guns in there at all. Uh, it's suddenly looking that much tougher for United. And Ronaldo managed to buy himself a goal, so that's the positive. And uh, obviously it was a good ball from Bruno Fernandes as well. Them two linking together, it looks like it's going to be something good for Manchester United. And I think had the red card not happened, United probably would have had that comfortable evening. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, until that point, until the 35th minute when, you know, Wan-Bissaka's rash challenge, uh, they were in control. Um, if he doesn't get sent off, Man United win the game. Uh, I think that's fair to say because, you know, they were, as I say, in control, you know, man for man. They, they, were, they were superior to young boys. Uh, prior to that, Ronaldo had had a shot, um, saved, I think, down the left-hand side. So he was a constant threat. Um, but as soon as that red card happened, it, it absolutely um, altered the game and shifted it in. Uh, in the fa- in favour of young boys, um, but again, you know, we, we say this about Solskjaer. He he is found wanting in these situations. You know, in the semi-finals, the, the four semi-final defeats they've had um, under him, the Europa League final, he he tends to muddle his thinking. I think and almost overthink things too much, uh, or, or or react too late to situations. And I think that's a theme that has been recurring and something that that he has to address because um, I think it was Paul Scholes saying last night uh, in the, in the BT Sport coverage that. 
you know, he's, he's got the players he wants now. I mean, he may have wanted a, a, a holding midfielder as well, but he's got he's got Ronaldo, he's got the central defender in Varane, he's got the right-sided player in Sancho. So he's, he's been given the players um, to, to do the job and to turn this United squad into a squad that can compete for the, 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 the big prizes now. So the pressure's on him. And I thought it was interesting that when, you know, Oli was addressing the, the us guys um after Ronaldo's return, he said, look, there's no hiding place you know, for the players now. A player of his calibre is in the squad. And really, the same can be said of Solskjaer. There's no hiding place for him now. And of course, there never is when you're at Manchester United because the profile of the club and the focus and the spotlight on you is, is, is so unforgiving. But I think you know, he can't afford too many more nights like last night um, you know, because the pressure will start to build on him. OK, we'll, we'll come back to Manchester United in a bit, but we'll, we'll move on to Chelsea quickly now a pretty standard win was it last night for Chelsea comfortable in the end um I'd say yeah comfortable ish um Zenit were were, were pretty good to be after you have to give them credit they came and they defended really really well they were well organized well drilled all those cliches but they did they did come to West London and look to look to spring a surprise on Chelsea and they almost did as well uh, but yeah Chelsea ground it out like they did against Villa as well even though the scoreline was 3-0 at the weekend um Chelsea were not at their best they certainly weren't at their best again last night. But when you've got Romelu Lukaku in your side, or you, if, you, if you can get the service into him, um, then he, he will inevitably do the goods. And, and that's exactly what happened last night. Um, the, Zenit tried to block off the supply line to Lukaku. They did it very well. Um, they had two men on him um, at all times. The two centre-halves um, from Zenit were on him constantly. So it was a tough night for Lukaku. But he had one big chance. And he took it. Um, Cesar Spilicueta put in a brilliant cross. Was, for, for a striker like Lukaku, that's on a plate for, for someone like him. And But he still had a fair bit to do. Textbook header, though, low and hard, into the corner, where the keeper couldn't get it. Uh, and Chelsea won the game to get their defence of the Champions League off to the best possible start. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was completely straightforward. It was a bit lethargic at times. Um, loath to use the word ponderous, but at times it was a little bit... Because um, they were struggling to break Zenit down, uh, we've seen under Thomas Tuchel that Chelsea don't blow the blow teams out. They're, they're methodical, um, and they'll eventually and eventually will just wear them down. And that's what Tuchel addressed after the game. He said we just effectively, yeah, just wore them down and wore them out and uh, got them tired, and then took advantage when they had their one big chance in the in the 70th minute, which they took. So yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was the perfect um, start to the to the title defense for Chelsea. But in a group where Juventus also won last night as well, quite comfortably against Malmo, uh, Chelsea needed to make sure that they were they, that they got up and running in that first game, and they did just that. It was, it was only one nil, but three points in the bag early doors in uh, in the group stages is all you can ask for. And uh, yet another clean sheet for Thomas Tuchel, which is now uh, 23 in 36 games, which is quite frankly absurd um, clean sheet record that Chelsea have got under the, under the German head coach at the moment. So yeah, it was a, it, the, the, it, it all started. There was a nice pre-match fireworks display at Stamford Bridge before the game, but those fireworks certainly didn't translate onto the pitch. And I'm aware that's a, a terrible metaphor <laughs> there, but um, it's, it, 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 it was tough. It was arduous at times, but they got the job done and uh, that's all they needed to do. And you mentioned the, the clean sheets there, and I want to talk a little bit about Antonio Rudiger, who seems to be morphing into, obviously, always a very good centre-back, but he, he seems to have taken it up a level in the last six months. Have you seen from him that improvement under Thomas Tuchel, and is he now in that, not quite in the Virgil van Dijk breath, but is he getting close to that level? Um, I, I don't think he's quite at Virgil van Dijk level, but he's certainly progressing incredibly under, under Tuchel. It's been a real rejuvenation for 
for Rudiger since he came in. He's out of contract at the end of the at the end of this season, and he can obviously speak to clubs in Europe from January. So you could you could easily say, oh, maybe he's he's playing for a new contract, so he's he's putting in these stellar performances. But um, last night, yeah, he was exceptional. Last night there was one goal saving tackle on. Um, on Zenit striker um, Ardor Sazmoun, um late on, sorry, midway through the second half when it was at 0 0, and um, effectively kept Chelsea in the game at that point. He also went on a rampaging run, about 60 yards, lung busting, looked like he was going to shoot it into Rosette, which he usually does, but he only curled it just wide. Uh, but yeah, he's been, him and Andreas Christensen have been two of the real impressive performers under Tuchel since January, since he came in. They've formed a really good partnership. But it's obviously part of a back three with with uh, Cesar Spilicueta, who's another player who's had a real rejuvenation under under Tuchel. Those senior players have really stepped up um, and were crucial components of Chelsea winning the Champions League last season. Uh, Chelsea have built very much on that strong defence. We know that. Um, three centre-halves and two rampaging wing-backs. Marcus Alonso doesn't do much defending, so he's obviously up in the other end, uh, the other end of the pitch pretty much more often than not. Uh, and um, he played right wing back. Rhys James was re- uh, right wing back last night, and he was very much the same. But Chelsea built very much on that strong foundation at the back. And once they scored, you just didn't think that Zenit would actually break through. And it was when it was nil nil, you thought maybe that there was a chance that the Russian side could could potentially pinch a win. But as soon as Chelsea got that lead, you knew they were just going to shut up shop and see the game out. There was always going to be someone there to mop things up. And Rudiger was at, was at that level last night. But yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. Uh, and Chelsea will do pretty well to 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 tie him down to another contract. I think at the end of the season because he is twenty nine, so he probably thinks he's probably got one last big payday in him. So meaning those demands could be quite a, a big signing for Chelsea in the summer if they can make it happen. Okay, we'll switch it back now to Manchester United. And you, you mentioned there, Sam, about Thomas Tuchel and how good of a coach he's been. And, you know, David, you kind of touched on this before that Ollie's made mistakes as a manager. Do you think Manchester United last night were would have benefited from a coach like Thomas Tuchel to see through that game? Because you watch teams like Liverpool and Bayern Munich in the past. I don't think they would have lost that game last night. I think they would have ground out that victory. Do you think that that's a real flaw for Oli, that he, he hasn't got that within him to, to coach a game in situations like that to get the three points? Yeah, I mean, as I said, it has been a recurring theme under Solskjaer, this inability, you know, when the pressure's on in big games, to, to see them out and to have a, a plan B effectively as well. Because, you know, as soon as the red card happened, as I say, there was so much muddled thinking, you know, between Solskjaer, Michael Carrick, Kieran McKenna. I mean, we were fortunate at the, at the stadium last night uh, here in Bern. We were very close where the press boxes were very close to the technical area. So we had a kind of a real first hand view of, of what was going on and how they reacted to the to the sending off. And at half time there were Solskjaer, Carrick and McKenna were kind of deep in deep in a discussion as the half time whistle went. And they called Varane over straight away and, and Carrick had a word. And so he was warming up. So but having addressed the initial issue of Wambasaka's, you know, sending off by as as I said earlier, bringing on Dallow uh, and, and sacrificing Sancho. They, they then felt compelled to change it again. I, I didn't feel they needed to do that, and I just felt that by the end, you know, the players there didn't know, didn't really know their roles, didn't know what they were meant to be doing, and they were just pegged back. And if you look at the stats; you know, I think it was nineteen or twenty shots that the young boys had compared to two for United, uh, and the, and the last of those two shots was Ronaldo's in the twenty-fifth minute. So, you know, for for a club of Manchester United stature and with all the attacking options that that Solskjaer has at his disposal, um, that, that that is a really poor return. But I think going back to your question, Connor, about 
you know, would a, a coach of Tuchel's uh, caliber, Klopp, Guardiola, have seen that game out? Yes, I think so. Um, and that's the difference between those four clubs, you know, the, 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 the big four as they are now in England. You know, City, Chelsea and Liverpool have proven winners as managers, you know, guys who won the Champions League, won the Premier League, uh, multiple titles. Uh, and that's where United are, are, are falling short at the moment. Um, and it goes back to the early point about no hiding place. You know, Manchester United arguably have one of the best squads now in the Premier League. OK, they could, they could do with a holding midfielder. They could probably do with another right back. Because um, I don't think Mamasaka, as we touched on earlier, really. Defensively, he's, he's solid, but I just don't feel he offers enough going forward. And of course, he's, he's prone to those kind of uh, rash um, incidents that we, that we saw last night. But if, on, on paper, you would say they have one of the strongest squads. So it all points to the manager. Um, and I just feel, and I think a lot of United fans feel, um, that when the pressure's on in the big moment, Solskjaer, you know, his, his thinking is, is, is found wanting. And, and that was, again, evident last night. Do you think, I mean, I watched his post-match interview last night and it came across to me that he, he, he presents himself as quite a sore loser at times when things don't go his way. And the two refereeing decisions last night were, were the talking points, the red card. I think the referee got that one correct. And then Ronaldo got sort of half pushed over for a, a penalty shout and Solskjaer thought that was a penalty. And again, I thought the referee got that one right. Did you agree with my assessment that them decisions were correct? And do you think that also Solskjaer sometimes presents himself as a little bit of a, a sore loser when things don't go his way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, emotions are running high, aren't they, after a game like that? You know, we, there's a lot of debate about this, you know, players and managers, not just in football, but in sport in general, coming in immediately after a match uh, to a press conference, you know, they're, they're they're still trying to process what's happened. So, I mean, look, he's a competitor, so I think he's gonna he's gonna be you know annoyed at, uh, at the way, and in particular, the manner of losing the game. You know, ninety-fifth minute, you know, winner scored against you. That, that that's gonna hurt. But you're right. I think you got the the red card right with Wambasaka, and also again, we we had a perfect view of the Ronaldo uh, incident, and that wasn't a red card. It wasn't a penalty or a red card, which Solskjaer claimed it was. You know, Ronaldo's pace took him away from the uh, the, the defender, um, but he didn't have complete control of the ball. And, you know, Ronaldo is such an experienced competitor. He went to ground, you know, he felt slight contact and, and you know, it, it was he was going to ground already. I don't think he could even get the shot away. So his in his mindset, I think he felt that the next best thing was to go to the ground and see if he could get a penalty. But it wasn't. And the referee was in a great position for that one as well and, and wasn't going to be swayed by it. I think it was interesting as well, uh, Connor. You talk about Solskjaer being a sore loser. He was a little bit curlish when he was when he was talking about the referee, saying, "You know, I don't think the referee was going to give that penalty, um, you know, because because of the, the pressure from the home crowd." And he said, "But that's what you get sometimes with young refs, you know." I mean, I, I thought the ref had a decent game last night. He's only thirty-two, but I don't think his age has anything to do with it. You know, I just think he, he made the right calls at the right time, uh, and I don't think Solskjaer can have any complaints about that at all. If I'm honest. Do you think that that's learning from the best? Alex Ferguson used to be quite like that as well, didn't he? He used to, yeah, to fight the referees on them things. Yeah, yeah, and and, and often you know you you know you, you do feel. I mean, I I covered you know the sort of second half of, of Ferguson's reign, and you you know in United, and you do feel that in many respects, Solskjaer like a mini me, Ferguson. You know, obviously he, he learned from him, and of course he's his mentor, so he, he will take a lot of traits from him, a lot of you know management traits. Um, but there are times when you do feel that he's that he's sort of you know aping Ferguson in terms of you know, the way he reacts to, to, to certain things. Um, but yeah, I just think it was one of those nights. Look, United, you know, they were found wanting. They've got five more group games. It isn't the most demanding of groups. If they don't get out of this group, 
um, then you know Solskjaer is going to be under huge, huge pressure because um, you know they should have got through the group stage last last um, last season. They beat PSG away in the first game. Um, I think then they beat Leipzig five 0 in the second game. And then of course they imploded. Um, you know they started off you know the opposite way this time with the defeat. But but really there's enough quality in that United squad to get through this group. But they've got a tough a tough October coming up. I mean you know it's pretty unrelenting the schedule. I think they've got Everton, Leicester, Atalanta. Liverpool and Spurs, I think, um, in October, and then City and, and, the, and the Manchester Derby on November the sixth. So the next kind of four or five weeks, you know, we 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 get we get you know told that we're we're overreacting the media, but I mean this this could be a kind of already defining period in the season because you know they've already lost the opening group game, they've got a really tough run coming up, and they can't afford too many more you know off nights like last night. And Sam, we'll, we'll switch back to to Chelsea now. Um, of everything that Chelsea have done over the last year in terms of transfer business, even the summer included, do you think Thomas Tuchel has been the best bit of business the club have done? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, there was a lot of um, uproar, I think, when in some sections of the fan base when Frank Lampard was sat. Um, there was a there was a, a banner was put up outside um, outside the ground reflecting that um, at Stamford Bridge in the in the immediate aftermath Frank Lampard was sacking, but you cannot argue with the results that Thomas Tuchel's had since he came in. Um, he, he his his primary task was to get Chelsea into the top four. He did that, admittedly with a little bit of help from Spurs on the final day of last season against um, when they beat Leicester City, uh, but Tuchel got them into that position. And he won the Champions League. I mean, what more? Uh, what else is there to say? Um, he, I think that was he, they were. It was certainly a surprise to many onlookers, but um, he still got managed to get the job done. Obviously, Lampard took Chelsea out of the group stage, but Tuchel navigated the Blues through a very difficult knockout group. So obviously, they saw off uh, Atletico Madrid, Porto, um, Real Madrid, and then Man City in the final. So yeah, it was. It, it, it's been a hell of a, 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 a what nine months that he's been there now, um, and he. He's that elite level coach. He obviously had a, maybe had a point to prove of having lost the Champions League final with PSG the season before um, in in, uh, in Portugal. So he wanted to maybe right that wrong, and he's managed to do that now. He's a Champions League winning coach. Uh, he's got this team incredibly well drilled. So as I said earlier, twenty three clean sheets in in thirty six games in all competitions is a remarkable defensive record that he's that he's got there. Uh, he's turned Edouard Mendy into one of the best goalkeepers on the planet at the moment. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's hyperbole either. I think he's been exceptional since he came in. Uh, he hasn't, he ha- and he hasn't done, he, he hadn't, sorry, hadn't done much to the squad as well. It's obviously it was the squad that he inherited from Frank Lampard. Now he has made his additions. Obviously, the signing of Romelu Lukaku was massive because everyone knows Chelsea were just lacking that clinical striker last season that really would have pushed them over the top, even though they did win the Champions League. But now that they've got Lukaku in, they had to pay big money for him, obviously smashed the club transfer record. But um, he scored, was it seven goals in six games for club and country already this season, four and four since he come back for Chelsea. Uh, he scored one with his um, right foot, one with his left foot, one with his head last night as well. So he's he's scoring goals everywhere. Uh, and he's just brought a different dynamic to to, to Chelsea's attack. So while you, while you can say that Lukaku's obviously, as in terms of the player, has been the most important signing, I think Chelsea getting in that elite coach who happened to be available at the time, obviously, where he'd left PSG, that was obviously massive. Um, but bringing in that world-class coach into the Premier League, in, in a league of world-class coaches, I think you, you, Chelsea had to respond in the manner that they did um, to give him at least that half a season to... Well, so I suppose everyone expected him just to settle in not to go and win the Champions League, uh, but he managed to go and do it. So yeah, he's been he's been a breath of fresh air. He's he's very much flavour of the month with the, with the fans at the moment. He's engaging. 
Um, he's very intelligent. If you ever sit in his press conferences, he, he's a fantastic man to listen to. Very engaging, very tactical, so much tactical nous. We saw it against Liverpool last weekend when he set up shop and they still managed to grind out a 1-1 draw with 10 men after Reese James got sent off um, against that attack of Jurgen Klopp. So it's um, it's been a real boost for Chelsea bringing him in. It's been a fantastic, shrewd move um, from the club who pulled the trigger when they did on Lampard and and, and took Tuchel in. Um, and, he ha- and you have to remember, he came in during lockdown um, that couldn't and COVID couldn't really go and go and go and explore London. Couldn't have his family with him. He's obviously brought them all over to London now, uh, so he's settling in a little bit more. Was living at a hotel for the majority of the first um, first few months of his of his reign and, and all the all, all the COVID restrictions at, um, at Cobham at the training ground, which obviously every Premier League club has had to go through. But it couldn't have been easy for him. Uh, but he still managed to to do what he's done. And yeah, he he's been he's been a breath of fresh air, I think, to the Premier League. Um, and, and to Chelsea, and they're just reaping the benefits at really a lot at the moment. It's been it's been a very good very good move from the club to bring him in. And David, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two questions here, two pronged one. The first one is about Romelu Lukaku because obviously you will have seen him at Manchester United. Um, and are you surprised at the player that he's turned into? And the, and the second part of that question is, who do you think is going to have the bigger impact on their team this season, Lukaku or Ronaldo? That's a, that's a tough one because uh, <laughs> I think I think. I'm not surprised um, um, with Lukaku because I, I I was actually a kind of admirer or supporter of Lukaku. I mean, I can't I've got the stats now, but I mean, he certainly got over 20 goals in his first season at United. I think he got maybe 15, 18 in the second. So over over the course of two seasons, he did deliver for, for United. I know a lot of fans there bemoaned his first touch. You know, said he you know it was it was you know he wasn't quick enough and dynamic enough for the for the attack. Um, but I thought he did a good job, and his, his work work rate was was exceptional. I felt, and then of course he took his career to another level, didn't he? Um, uh, at Inter, and, and and really you know flourished there. Uh, and as, as Sam just been sort of articulating there very well, you know, he, he brings that extra and a different dimension to Chelsea's attack. You know, he's he's a he's a prolific goal scorer, proven goal scorer. Um, you know, his all round game has developed. Um, he's he's going to get 20 plus goals, probably 25 plus of the season. But I think Sam said four and four already, so he's off to a great start. Um, in terms of who'll score more goals, I think Lukaku will play more than Ronaldo. I think because obviously he will spearhead Chelsea's attack, and in the form he's in, you cannot drop him. You you know he's he's so predatory and, and prolific, and does so much for the team. Uh, you know, not just in terms of goals, but his all round play, uh, and, and and holds the ball up well and. You know, offers so much to the team that I don't think Tuchel can, and Sam will, will know this more than me. I don't think Tuchel can really afford to to rest him. There will be times, obviously, when he has to, but I think he will play the majority of the games. So he'll certainly have more opportunities to score than Ronaldo. And Ronaldo at thirty six, um, you know, he's what I don't know what age Lukaku is now. Is he twenty five, six, twenty seven? I can't. I'm not sure, but I mean, there's, there's certainly you know, a, a big age gap between him and Ronaldo. So. Ronaldo Solskjaer will need to sort of manage and ration um, Ronaldo's appearances to get the best out of him. And he's already said that after the Newcastle game on Saturday. He said, you know, it's not possible to leave Ronaldo out. I will have to manage his minutes and manage his game time. So I think I think Lukaku will probably score more goals than Ronaldo purely because, you know, he, he will play more. And I think there'll be a bit more rotation at Manchester United because of Ronaldo's age. But yeah, I think Lukaku has developed into a world-class striker. You know, we, we saw that, you know, his progression from Everton to United to Inter um, and, and now Chelsea. It, it's been, a you know, one trajectory. Uh, and I think, you know, he's, he's become one of the most, you know, or is becoming one of the most prolific strikers in world football. 
Sam, I'm going to ask you the same question. Who do you think will have a, a bigger impact this season, Lukaku or Ronaldo? Um, I'm gonna. I don't want to sit on the fence too much, but I do think it'll be Lukaku, and for the reasons that David so rightly said, I think that Chelsea without Lukaku in their side are a completely different team. If you if you're replacing him with with Timo Werner, uh, for example, then then it's, he's a completely different player. So Lukaku, he, he, uh, when Tuchel said uh, when Tuchel signed him, he said we brought him to play here. We didn't bring him to sit on the bench and not play. Uh, after he scored on his debut against Arsenal, it took him what thirteen minutes to get off the mark at the Emirates, wasn't it? Um, so he is going to play every game that he's fit for. He's going to start every game, uh, and I think he. Uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if he doesn't score twenty five goals this season because I think he, uh, he and Chelsea they created so many chances last season they just had no one to finish them off. Now that they've got that one that man in there um, in Lukaku, Chelsea will still continue to create chances. Admittedly, they didn't do very much last night, but that was I think down more down to Zenit's defensive work rather than Chelsea's profligacy at times. But um, yeah, I think Lukaku is going to have a bigger impact than Ronaldo. Not 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 vastly more because I think Ronaldo is still an incredibly special player at 36, and we can see what he's already done at, um, at, at United just since his just since his return. But as David said, yeah, Lukaku he's only 28, so he's still got. He's still got that fitness. He's still got that. He's not going to have to have his minutes managed as much. Although Tuchel will do that because he does like to make sure that his players are well rested. He's very a big. He's a big um, advocate of not having players in what he calls a red zone in terms of injury. So it's not that they're injured. It's that if they're at the risk of injury. So he will give players rests. He's being very careful with N'Golo Kante, for example, because he just knows how crucial he is to to the Chelsea team. But they've coped well in his absence um, so far this season, apart from a couple of games when he when he, I think he started against Arsenal. Um, oh, sorry, came off the bench against Arsenal and started against Liverpool, but was forced off at half-time there with an ankle problem. So, yeah, I, I, Ronaldo's obviously going to have a massive impact. We know that. Um, he, he was, But Lukaku was that, as I said earlier, that missing piece that Chelsea needed. And they're still going to keep creating chances. And he's going to be more the one that's going to be putting them away because at the moment, he looks like a player that's not really going to miss whenever he's in, in, and, around the, in and around the goal. And, and that's what you want. And that's what you pay 90, the best part of £98 million pounds for. That's what, that's what you pay for. You pay for goals. And uh, yeah, I think he's going to get yeah between twenty five and thirty this season would be a, a shock if he doesn't reach that mark because Chelsea just create so many chances when they eventually find their find their stride, which they haven't really done yet so far this season, which I think is probably more ominous than um, it, it's quite an ominous sign for, for for the title contenders in in the Premier League that Chelsea haven't really hit top gear yet. Okay, well, uh, other results last night in Manchester United's group: Villarreal drew two two with Atalanta, Malmo. And Juventus, 3-0 Juventus, Salzburg and Sevilla was four penalties in that game. Two missed by Salzburg, finished 1-1 there. Lille, 0-0 with Wolfsburg. Dynamo Kiev, 0-0 with Benfica. But I suppose the last one to really touch on here, Barcelona, 0 by Munich, 3. David, we've seen Barcelona over the years. It have been such a formidable side. But last night, that's a humbling defeat. And that kind of shows where they are now in the football hierarchy. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. I mean, but I don't think it's it's a it's a great shock, really. I mean, you know, we, we all know about the financial problems they've got. You know, they're in absolute disarray. So much debt that's been allowed to pile up, which is just, you know, um, inconceivable how that's been allowed to happen. It's actually a huge club, and of course, the, the you know, it, it's the first first game or first European game in the in the post Lionel Messi um, you know, era. Um, so that was always going to be a seismic um, moment for for Barcelona. I mean, you know, you, you know, what more can you say about Messi? You know, he's kind of not has to carry that team, but he's been the driving force in that team and the inspiration in that team. And then suddenly have him, him, you know, out of the team. And I think with all the issues they've got and the players they've had to offload, and 
um, you know, the fact that they that they effectively have a uh, a team there that has no real direction, and obviously with Kuman in charge, a manager who really, you know, his hand has been forced by the the financial restraints there. You know, he can't, you know, bring in, I guess, the players that he would like to bring in, and and really they're they're all about getting rid of players rather than bringing them in. Um, and it just goes to show the, the the kind of changing of the guard in the sense, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the last time, I, I didn't see the game because we were coming back from United's game. I think we saw a few of the highlights in the hotel here. But I, I, don't, I don't know the last time they suffered such a heavy, you know, um, home defeat. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it all points to, to Barca's decline and, and and really you can't see that reversing anytime soon. And, and Sam, Juventus 3-0, obviously the post-Ronaldo era for them. And they've struggled in Serie A this season, but that was them back to their normal selves, wasn't it? Yeah, and no real surprise. I mean, Malmo, I think, are, are quite clearly the weakest team in in, in the group. Um, Chelsea obviously travelled to Juventus next week, oh, sorry, week after next, sorry, for, for the, what would be a crucial game there out in out in Turin. So it was no real surprise to see Juventus stick, stick three past three past Malmo. So that's why I think it was, a, that's why it was so important for, for Chelsea to make sure they got that win last night as well, because I think probably everyone expected Juventus to, to sweep aside Malmo quite comfortably. Um, and it was always going to be between, I think, Chelsea and, and Juventus for the to, who's going to finish them first in the group, and who's going to finish second. Famous last words there, probably, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, on 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 Barcelona, um, it, it just didn't really come as a surprise, did it? That that that, that Bayern were just far too good for them in the end. I think they played Jordi Alba, who was um, who was effectively injured, and then uh, of course they had limited options, and I think they played him in midfield as well. They had limited options, and Alba had to play suffered another injury and was forced off um, in the second half. And that kind of just sums up the, 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 the demise of Barca at the moment, which is, um, yeah, it, it, but they say it was, it, it, at least it wasn't 8-2 like it was in the, in the semi-final a couple of years ago. But yeah, that was, they say it was no real surprise really that Bayern swept aside. Bayern's a very strong team anyway. So, I mean, you, you kind of almost expected them to, to pick up a handsome win, let's be honest, at the, the, at the new camp. So yeah, that's, but that is definitely the standout result was just how, comfortable I think it was in the end for for Bayern Robert Lewandowski scoring in scoring goals shock again yeah I think that was something like he scored in every single game for seven months I think I saw the stat yesterday um so we're just about out of time here so David thanks for joining us Sam of course thanks for joining us as well hopefully you have a safe, safe trip back David <laughs> no it probably wasn't worthwhile seeing United get beat last night um and please you know subscribe to this podcast it's on all your favorite podcasting apps Acast and iTunes and Apple and wherever else there's hundreds and hundreds of platforms to listen um so thanks everyone for listening thanks guys for joining us